Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Okay, welcome back. I tell you what, here's what I want to do. I want to start off a little bit and just kind of do a little rambling here at the beginning. Maybe not even rambling, it just it's it's a thought. And it's something that again again that I really wish would would occur more often. And I have more examples as to why this very thing I think should occur more often. But in a perfect world, wouldn't it be delightful? If younger generations, high school students, college students, and even, of course, middle school students, and hell, even elementary school students who are awake and know what is going on and are consistently learning about what's really happening in the world, because those people are out there, again, regardless of age, they really are out there. Wouldn't it be interesting if they not only homeschooled, of course, but they communicated the way that the rest of us awake adults communicate? And what I mean by that is, is that they were using the same channels of communication that we were using. So let me give you just a few examples here. And it goes way actually beyond social media, although that right there is a, a very big deal. And of course, the different social media platforms that these individuals would be on, but you're essentially having students of, of like mind and like age communicate the way, again, that we communicate. So. Just to sort of tell you again on the platforms where I communicate and sort of my day in and day out workings here, there's about four individuals who will text me within a particular group, and those people know who they are, and Jesse James of the Dangerous Info Podcast is one of them. And and, and we we communicate again through text message, we send each other videos, we, we send each other news updates. It's a number of different ways of communicating. That's just a group text thread. Again, that's that's one very simple way that younger generations could communicate with one another about what's really going on in the world. Very difficult to do that during your average K-12 public-private charter school day. Again, they could be sharing videos, they could be sharing news articles, they could be sharing wh- whatever it is that they wanted to share, social media posts, you name it. That, that's That's one very simple way of doing it. Another way, of course, is being on these particular social media platforms that we frequent, which of course is typically Telegram, which I highly recommend. Same thing with Gab. Again, you know, X or Twitter or whatever the hell you want to call it. I I don't think people like the name X, and it's not because uh, they've been using the name Twitter forever. It's just because it's stupid. But (laughs) that's just that's just my opinion. But either way, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's some valuable things on there without a doubt, and there's clearly a lot of fighting going on over on that platform. But if you want to get away from the drama and you want to get away from that particular platform, in my opinion, Gab is the place to be. And again, you can lock your account if you want, although some people might block you because they think that you're either a bot or a prostitute or a fed or something along those lines. But either way, if you keep your account open and you just re repost some particular things and like particular posts and start to build an account, at the very least, you can dive deeper and see what Gab has to offer. Again, if, if K-12 students were on Gab, they would be able to learn in a way that stretches actually back to what Dr. Robin McCutcheon and I were talking about. I mean, they would be, uh, well, I'll put it this way, again, if they were in those K-12 environments and they were on Gab and they had Gab at their fingertips on their cell phones, they could easily show their teacher that their teacher is wrong about something, which again ultimately means that the conscience of the student and the parents would have to say something like, 
we can't send you here anymore because it's evident that you know more than your educator knows, than the so-called educator knows. And as it turns out, that is becoming more and more the norm, which it needs to be. Because I've written about this in every book I've ever written, and I've said it for decades. The effective educator stops being effective the moment that they stop being a student. The moment that they quit learning and they think that they've got it all figured out and then they just become repetitive, they just become a machine. That's why I'm no longer in the business. It's one of many reasons, but that right there is one of them. You can't keep learning about the real world and then not look backwards and recognize that what you've been told and what you've been taught is a lie and then continue to work within that lying business, which is, again, why you leave. But if younger generations communicated the way, again, that us awake adults communicate, they'd have no choice but to leave. And again, I think that that would be a good thing because, again, their conscience is God talking to them saying, hey, look, you need to get out of here. This place is not good for you. So I would recommend that younger generations do that, that you encourage your children and younger generations to do that, to communicate on these boards and these platforms. Again, they can get on Gab and start their own group. They can have their own group and they can just post into their own group. And you can just see exactly what's going on among those individuals that you're communicating with. And you can call the group whatever you want. And again, these social media platforms have the ability to do that. But I I personally think that people have got to get away from Facebook. They've got to get away from Twitter, X, whatever the hell. Uh, even the Instagram and and you know the you know th- things of that nature. Again, I'm not on TikTok, but I move TikTok videos around, and I typically move them again to either my BitChute channel or my Gab channel or whatever it is. But uh, you know, I mean, even YouTube has this uh, sort of this mindless short video where you can just swipe up and swipe up and swipe up, and you just keep watching these videos. It's just flooding these young kids' minds with this dopamine and serotonin that they really don't need. And it's not allowing them to think. It's just allowing them to see and hear something, and then they move on. You would hope, though, that even with a piece of technology like that in place, that they would come across some truth videos and some videos about things that are actually real, not superficial or girls in bikinis or you know, dudes flexing their muscles or whatever the hell it is. Just just all this nonsense. People throwing money around and acting like they don't have to work, you know, work for a living or, or anything along those lines. But um, th- there are just too many effective ways for youth to communicate, but they just don't know how to do it. And see, it, I'm going to go off on, on another little avenue here, but th- this has always been, in my opinion, one of the large criticisms that the unknowledgeable will have when it comes to online education. They don't like online education, your standard brainwashed brick and mortar people, and they'll make fun of it always. And what do they say about online education? They always say the same things. They say they're diploma mills. Okay, they always say, they'll say people, uh, you know, that you're paying for a degree. That's all you're doing. They bought a degree and then that was it. That's not what it is. That's not, what it, that's not what it is at all. What is at the forefront of all online education is that it teaches you to navigate the internet in a way where you need to find the most objective answers possible. They actually tend to do that first and focus on that first. 
that's really one of their larger, impactful uh, curricular approaches, I would say. Now, is it all of them? Probably not necessarily, but that was certainly my experience from my master's and PhD. I mean, that's why I enjoyed it. The moment I started on my master's was the very moment I was hitting on internet websites that were deep into the internet, just deep down. And I was watching videos of political things and reading things that I wasn't getting on Google. They weren't popping up. And again, this is largely before the existence of YouTube. But again, these were just some really good websites where you were getting a lot of chatter, a lot of talk, and a lot of thought about what was really going on in the world. And when that ended for my master's degree, I missed it. And I thought to myself, wait a minute, there's more here. There's way more here. And so again, I had a decision to make. Now, I waited a few years before I started my PhD program. But once I was back in that, I thought, hell yeah, here we go. Because I'm going to be immersed in this environment again, where I can where I can dive deep into information and find the truth, and again at the exact same time receive, you know, I wouldn't even call it guidance. I would just I would call it the opportunity to look into information at a deeper level on the internet, not the surface level internet nonsense that a lot of people just immediately read and believe. You know, one of the one of the things that I would warn anybody against the course is anytime that there's a news application that comes on a cell phone, like Apple has Apple News, just because it pops up on Apple News doesn't mean it's real. Just because it pops up on Apple News doesn't mean that it is the latest breaking story or that it's even, again, the truth, because typically it's not. The unfortunate part is, is people believe those news apps that exist and come preloaded on their phones. And that becomes the thing that they look at on a day-in and day-out basis. And then they think that they are knowledgeable about the day's events. Which actually brings me a little bit into the Larry Sinclair thing. Again, another avenue here. Sorry, I'm, I'm trailing off a little bit. But just to close the door again first on, on the entire business of, of youth communicating, I wish that they would do that more often about more objective things and on the right platforms. But they need somebody to tell them that. And I think that they need a little guidance in that avenue. So again, if you're a younger individual listening to this or you're a parent listening to this, I would say get your children on Gab. Get your children on Telegram. Have them follow three, four channels on Telegram. You know, and just look things up. Doesn't mean that they have to have a cell phone in their hand or in their pocket on a day in and day out basis and, you know, become a, a serotonin dopamine junkie. Where you know the little notification pops up and they look at it and they go, oh, "I gotta read, I gotta read this." Something just popped up. You know they don't have to do that, but it can be a timely thing where they sit down at, with a laptop computer and they go through it and they read it and they start to digest and really gnaw on some of this information and really think about it and immerse themselves in it. And then again, if they communicated with like-minded peers on those on on particular chat boards or particular groups within, say again, the application of Gab and the social media platform Gab, that, that would be perfect. Because Gab is way more objective than a giant landscape like Twitter, where again, endless, endless followers don't even exist. Endless accounts aren't even real. But with that aside, again, that, that gets me into the Larry Sinclair thing with the, with the interview with Tucker Carlson. 
for those of us that are knowledgeable, none of what was said in that interview is new. And I'm not criticizing people who didn't know that that was a real thing. I mean, I've known that that was a real thing for a very long time. I remember watching Larry Sinclair's first video back on YouTube and that speech. And then, of course, that speech that got kicked off of YouTube, where he was talking with a press club about having a gay relationship with Barack Obama and using cocaine with him and the whole thing. I remember seeing that video and then seeing the video again on BitChute and, uh, and I'm sure it's made its way to rumble, but the, the video still exists and it's still out there. And now, of course, you have this long form interview with Tucker Carlson, which again, now begs the question, why was that even allowed to even happen? Who is protecting Larry Sinclair? Because normally that would never even occur, which should prove to people that there's other things going on here. And I don't think, and I know that this is one of the many philosophies or rather theories that, that, that's out there regarding Larry Sinclair, but I don't think that it's out there as a distraction to distract us from something else. I really don't. I think that it's out there to get even older generations, not just younger generations, but even older generations who used to watch Fox News, and now they see Tucker Carlson doing an interview like that about that subject. That's designed to get them to understand that you've been lied to your whole life about endless things, that the entire Barack Obama administration is fake. Because again, in approximately one week, what are, you, what are we going to have again? We're going to have Malik Obama, Barack Obama's brother or half-brother on Tucker Carlson also. And what's he going to drop on, on Tucker Carlson's show? He's got to drop the fact that Michelle Obama is a man. Once that happens, again, you can see these puzzle pieces being put together. This is on purpose. And I understand, again, that there's numerous awake people out there that would say, well, this doesn't matter. We already know this. We already know these things. And yeah, we do. But it's not for us. And it doesn't have to happen at our pace. Because again, we're, we're, we're ahead of the curve, so to speak, and we've been waking, waking each other up and other people for a very long time. But people have to come to the realization that they've been lied to about endless things. If you've been lied to about one thing, you've been lied to about more than just one thing. And this is, again, one of those things that is a big deal. But people are out there, again, even criticizing that who are awake, and they're saying, you know what, I care more about the fact that Barack Obama is a war criminal, not that he... Uh, had a sexual relationship with a, with a bunch of dudes and did some coke and is married to a tranny. I mean, I agree with that person. You know, yes, but it all matters, doesn't it? It all matters. Of course he's a war criminal. He's he's not an American citizen. He shouldn't have even been president. Donald Trump knew this. Donald Trump talked about this back in 2008 and numerous times after that that he's not a citizen. Dude was born in Kenya or Indonesia, and I'm sure that'll get brought up with Malik Obama also. But again, why is that interview even happening? It means that somebody is working with Tucker Carlson to get these people there in front of him, and somebody's allowing those individuals to be there in front of him. Is it a, you know, again, is it a distraction? I don't think so. We can walk and chew gum at the same time. But I, again, take it back to younger generations. If younger generations are talking about this kind of information on these communication chat boards and these 
text threads that they do with one another and XYZ and emailing each other back and forth, which again, that's something that happens on a daily basis with the listeners of this show, which I greatly appreciate. You know, they email me, I email them back, they send me information, I send them some information. Some of some listeners have my text messages and uh, you know my my phone number, and they're texting me and I'm texting them back. This is a level of communication that is not an accident. It is a giant on purpose, and and we're communicating about some of the most objective things on the planet, because that means again that we've ascended. That means that we've hit a different dimension of thought. There are endless people though who are not doing that. They're not doing that yet. And it's not that they can't do it in the future. You know, yes, they may be jabbed, and and yes, that's not going to be good for them in the short or, or long term. But at the very least, if they hear of something like this Larry Sinclair story, which is true, and Tucker Carlson's interview with him, and then Malik Obama and whatever else, if they go back to the office and they start talking about it a little a little bit, and they're like, "Hey, did you did you hear about this?" I mean, then they're starting to talk about some things that on their level they can communicate about. You can't look at these people, again, who are shocked by that and look at them and say, you know, there were no planes on 9-11. If you said something like that to them, their head would explode. And, and, and you know the looks on their faces. It looks like, they, like they've smelled something terrible. They don't ask questions. They just stare at you and, you know, kind of shake their head like, oh, what are you talking about? You can't hit them with something like that, but you can hit them with, hey, you know, th- this guy did some coke and uh, and had sex with a dude a couple of times. I mean, it's <laughs> it's pretty ridiculous if you think about it, but at the exact same time, it's funny that they can digest that, but they can't digest something else. So, I don't know. I, I, I just think that the communication that's been taking place and occurring over the last decade is not an accident. This is a very big thing. Again, it ties into my reposting of an article that I've referenced on the show before, which I reposted on my Substack, The Great Awakening in the American Revolution. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. You've got you've got God bypassing authority figures and speaking directly to us, and then you have this explosion of communication that's taking place that hasn't taken place ever before. Although it has, historically speaking, as the article lays out. But having younger generations talk about these kinds of things is super important. Because ultimately they have to arrive at the simple fact that they too have been lied to. And their parents have been lied to. And their grandparents have been lied to. And how often can you take that without saying to yourself, who lied to me? Why did they lie to me? Where did they lie to me? What did they lie to me about? It's the who, what, where, when, why, and how. That's critical thinking. And once that starts to take place, and once that becomes habitual, a a person isn't going to shake that habit. That's going to be there forever. But they're just, again, it's unfortunate and it's sad, but there are endless people who are not critical thinkers. There There are endless people who are not thinking about what is really going on and then asking deeper questions to themselves. Again, you know, I've I've written about this at great length in in my past books, the different kinds of personalities that exist and the different kinds of people that that tend to be thinking individuals as opposed to the people that just sort of go along to get along and are group thinkers and all of the hive mind stuff. The, the hive mind is remarkably deadly. 
it's deadly. And I know that there are individuals on the left who would say, well, that's what all you conspiracy theorists are. You're all hive mind people. All you do is think alike and say the same crazy things and blah, blah, blah. Actually, no, it's not true. What we do is, is we apply the scientific method with regularity. And that too is habitual. Once you start doing that and applying the scientific method to almost every single thing that you do, you have no choice but to become a better person. You have no choice but to ask yourself again who you're surrounding yourself with and what kinds of conversations are you having. And then, of course, I've talked about the entire ascension process and what that means. You start shedding your skin. Again, you've heard me mention all those quotes and all those sayings and, and all of that other stuff, the Frederick Nietzsche stuff, the snake that, that, that refuses to shed its skin dies. Same thing with man. When the human being ceases to think, they cease to have a mind. Therein lies the problem. But I would love for younger generations to learn how to use these social media platforms in a more objective way. That would be absolutely fantastic. Again, could that be its own course? Within a homeschooling environment, of course it could. But therein lies the responsibility with the parents and the family. And again, I fully understand that a lot of parents would say, well, my kids are too young and they don't need to be on it. I, I totally understand and I completely agree with you. I completely agree. It doesn't mean that you can't have conversations about what it is that you're learning with them, though. You know, it, it really does go back to the old dinner table mentality. I mean, ask yourself how many children and families to this day sit around a dinner table on a night-in, night-out basis, have a meal, or at the very least, get together at a dinner table and discuss what went on that day as a nuclear family. This isn't happening as frequently as it used to. I know that it still happens, but it just doesn't happen as frequently as it used to. And if it did happen today, the way that it did a generation or two ago, with all of the communication tools that we have today at our fingertips and the truth about everything, it, I mean, wow. That, that family would become absolutely unstoppable. They'd be unstoppable. They would be the most knowledgeable family around, but that's not going on. Certainly not with, again, the regularity that I would wish. But either way, I wanted to sort of ramble about all of that and discuss all that. That's sort of a constant. It's a constant thought that I have that I, w that I just wish that that would happen more often because as I said at the very beginning of, of this little rant here that there's, th there's really absolutely no way that a minor, okay, someone again who's under 18 or even someone who is of college age, there's no way that they would, they would continue to go to these environments if they knew that there was an alternative. If they knew that there was an alternative way of educating themselves and alternative environments in which they can educate themselves and then different communication avenues that can be more objective, that, that, there's, a, that there's an entire environment that exists out there that is completely different from the one that they were raised in with the brick and mortar environments and you've got to be a part of this club and that team and this and that and whatever else. It's just a generational communication shift that I think is happening to some extent. There's no doubt about that. It's just a matter of how frequently is it happening. Because as we know, once it starts happening, you don't stop. You know, it just becomes a constant thing. It's, it's much like exercising or eating right. Once you exercise and, what you, and, and once you eat right, it becomes what's referred to as a lifestyle. You just start doing it. 
It's not like uh, an individual who who again uses the word diet. Well, I'm on an you know I'm on a diet, and I'm just doing this, and I'm I'm just changing a few things. The person who uses those phrases is a person who who hasn't changed their lifestyle, and then it just becomes a part of their life. So, I, I think again that these these forms of communication that that do exist and are out there need to be introduced and reintroduced to a number of different individuals. And again, if it happens among youth and youth participate, well, there's no going back then. They're all going to leave these environments and they're going to leave these school environments and they're going to say, wait a minute, I can do this on my own. I can do this on my own. I don't have to sit in a chair and listen to some teacher talk to me about XYZ. I, I can figure this out on my own. So I know that that is happening, which is an excellent thing, but it's also interesting, which I'm going to mention here in just a second, that you're not going to hear these gatekeepers talk about this. You're not going to hear these people bring this up. You know, again, the Steve Bannons of the world, the Charlie Kirks of the world, you're not going to hear them mentioning that what I just said there in this first 25 minutes, that that right there is the way forward. Because it's people like that, the gatekeepers at Real America's Voice and all these other outlets that are seeming, you know, conservative outlets. These are the people who are actually always perpetuating the status quo under the guise of not perpetuating the status quo, but they really are. And it, it frankly disgusts me to no end. Um, okay, so I guess I'll just get into it right now. Here we go. First of all, education related things. Again, just dive right in here. Um, I, of course, live on the campus of Miami University, and as it turns out, from what I've been told, there are approximately, there were approximately, at its height, 2,000 Chinese students who were attending Miami University. Now, I'm sure you're aware, out-of-state tuition is remarkably high, and has only gone up for freshmen. At its absolute height, there were approximately 2,000 Chinese students that were attending this university. Now there's approximately 500, not 500,000, just 500. That's fantastic. I love that. I love that there are less Chinese students. I love that there's less money that Miami University is getting. This is a good thing. It's visually obvious that there are less Chinese students, as a matter of fact, because they all tend to live in the general same areas and the parking lots are not filled. And we've known this, again, over the last few years, just from a visual perspective. So this is a good thing. Uh, again, are they jabbed? Are they dead? Do they not want to get jabbed? Did they not like the jab mandates? Were they all for the jab mandates? I mean, who's to tell? It's probably a little bit of everything. But either way, uh, that, that right there is, is rather telling, I think, certainly from a college campus perspective. There's also this, which is rather interesting. This is from BillLawrenceOnline.com. It is titled, Pennsylvania Schools Lose 139,000 Students, But They Add 21,000 Administrators. Now, based on the headline, before I actually get into the story itself, which I'm going to read because it's, it's telling and very revealing, is just based on the headline alone, they're losing 139,000 students, but they're adding 21,000 administrators. Why would they be doing that? Again, it ties back right into what's going on at the state level at the Departments of Education regarding Michigan, Ohio, Kentucky. And now this is an indicator in my head, this is an indicator that this is also going on 
in Pennsylvania. They have to add administrators because they're becoming more bureaucratic. They're not becoming less. They're trying to hire more administrators because they're doing more things. There's more intervention specialists. There's more uh, special education, more diversity, equity, inclusion. There's more this, there's more that. Again, not an accident. It's a giant on purpose. And of course, we also know that what they're doing is, is they're consistently trying to turn these school environments, certainly again, it's not just K-12 uh, public schools, it's private and charter schools. They're turning them more into counseling environments, more and more counseling. Everybody has a problem and we are here to fix said problem. Even though you don't have a problem, they'll yank a student out of class, they'll sit them in a room and they'll convince the kid that something is wrong with them or that they need to be evaluated, or they need to take this evaluation or this test or whatever else. They're always looking to create a, a normalization of insanity, I would say, where there isn't any within the individual. Again, the craziest people are the ones that are working in these environments and going along with it. As the old saying goes, uh, you know, you, you, you get what you tolerate. You get exactly what you continue to participate in. And if you keep participating in it, you're going to keep having it. So here's what's going on in Pennsylvania. Again, they've, they've lost 139,000 students, but they're picking up 21,000 administrators. This is also a giant money grab if, if you're unfamiliar. So this is since 2000. But they've gained again 21,145 more employees, notes the Commonwealth Foundation. It says this employee growth includes nearly 40% more highly paid administrators than 20 years ago. It says schools have not gotten better. The foundation also points out that Pennsylvania school districts spent $21,263 per student in the 21-22 school year, ranking 7th in the nation at nearly $5,500 more than the national average. It says, Chesco United reported on August 24th that an audit of 12 school districts by State Auditor General Tim DeFour found that all routinely pass big tax hikes despite having budget surpluses in the tens of millions of dollars. Again, it's a giant money grab because they're not paying attention to what families want and they're not paying attention to what students want. Again, we're, we're talking about a profession here where in some states, in particular California, which is the constant pincushion, I fully understand, but this is going on lots of other places and lots of other states where they're actually kidnapping children and convincing them that they are a different gender than what they actually are or a different sex than what they actually are. This is, this is a constant thing. This isn't going away. But anybody, again, who is out there and is asking to reform such a thing, it just needs to be reformed. You know, we just need to win more elections and we need, to, we need to get more people in there. And once we do that, we'll change things on the inside. Even Amazing Polly has said that that doesn't work. And I agree with her completely. And I myself was guilty of believing a long time ago, that I could actually do that in the education profession. I thought once I get in it, I'll start to change things and I can control what I can control with my students, but I'll make some suggestions here, suggestions there, and I'll try to get back to the basics and try to get the, the crazy environment back to the basics. It doesn't work. You're outnumbered. 
you're completely outnumbered. Doesn't matter how much common sense you have. Doesn't matter how much uh, you want to take things off of the plates of educators and the plates of students and parents and simplify things. It has to do with, are you a ball player or are you not? Here's, here's the rub for me. The rub for me, as you know, has always been these gatekeepers who consistently say that we can reform these, th- these places, who are on the seeming right and conservative right of the, of the so-called narrative, but they'll never say homeschool, and they'll never advocate for homeschooling, and they'll never even bring it up. They'll even say the words school choice. Okay, they'll, they'll say that. You need to find a better environment and, and school choice. But at the same time, they will push and uh, they will elevate and push up and hold up these parents who will take over a school board and then say, well, wh- this, sc- this school board is now all conservative. It's all parents and they're fighting back against the state. I'm going to give you one example. And I don't have her name at, at, at the hand here, but. She is now the school board president of the Chino, California school district. And this woman, again, has been on particular videos before. She won the election. They voted her in to be president. It's majority conservative. You know, good for them. Hard left environment for the most part. You still have the brainwashed people on the so-called right attending this school district. And now what's happening? What's happening is, is you have the state of California coming down on the school district and coming down on all school districts by saying that parents shouldn't have the rights to know about everything that's going on in the school district or any school district. And then at the exact same time, they're saying that they don't have the right as a school district to eliminate particular books or particular ideologies and that teachers are allowed to to teach what they want to teach and administrators are allowed to administrate the way that they want to administrate and so on and so forth. This is the unnecessary fight, and I call that. I mean, it it is an unnecessary fight that you're not going to hear the gatekeepers like the Steve Bannons of the world and the Charlie Kirks and the Tim Pools and even this next audio that I'm about to play right now, Dr. Steve Turley. He's going to lay out this story very quickly in this very short little audio. He, too, again, I'm not a fan of his, but he, too, is not a homeschool advocate because he's the one that would consistently say, well, not everybody can do that. Well, define everybody. What is that? What do you mean everybody? Of course, not everybody can do it. Some people are confined to a wheelchair. Some people need to be guided, so to speak, because they they have particular mental or learning handicaps. And I'm talking about serious ones, not these fake ones that they push on kids in special education classes when really they're not special education, quote unquote. They're just being segregated because the school district enjoys a little bit more money. And the more special education kids you have, uh, the more money the school gets. That's the game that gets played. But even the Dr. Steve Turley's of the world who you know make a living online and on YouTube, they don't cross that line into, into discussing homeschooling. He might say school choice, but either way, he's holding up these, these school boards and these school board members who are, again, seeming conservatives and saying that these are the individuals that are doing the fighting. 
I saw this woman who is the president of the Chino School District out there in California. She was on Steve Bannon's show the other night with, with a lawyer who has a lawyer firm or, or a group or whatever you want to call it. And, and she provides this, all this paperwork to fight back against states that are fighting back against school boards and blah, blah, blah. It's an unnecessary fight. It's unnecessary. Because again, what is she really doing, the president of that school board? She's coming in as a female, having fired their radical left superintendent, which is great, good for them, but they're still maintaining the status quo because the status quo is the environment. Once you get rid of the environment, then the game is over for everybody. It's over for everybody. Now, this is why I'll never be a school board member and a school board president. It's for all the things that I've already said in the past and the things I continue to say. I would be the person who would sit on that board and say, you need to get out of here. You need to homeschool. And I want to see all the bricks of these buildings come down. That's what I would say. But what I would do is I would also educate them about how they can do that and how easy that is. Because that in itself is its own matrix, as you've heard me bring up numerous times. That's a level of thinking and a wavelength of thinking and a, and a, and a lower dimension of thinking that people have not ascended yet. They haven't gone above it. They haven't thought on a different dimension and said, wait a minute, maybe I need to change the way that I'm a parent first. And then once I change the way I'm a parent and the things that I'm teaching my child, then after that, I can teach my child or my child can start to teach themselves because ultimately that's what adults do, isn't it? We teach ourselves. We don't necessarily have a person in front of us formally instructing us between a set amount of between a set amount of minutes or a set amount of hours, and then we hear a bell go off, and then we get up out of our seat and we go and we do something else. It doesn't work that way. So here's Steve Turley, and again, you know this this president of this woman. She was on Steve Bannon's show, and, and Bannon, you know, I'll tell you what. He sleeps in the same tent in the same sleeping bag as Charlie Kirk and Jack Posobiec and these other weirdos. I don't like these people. I really don't. They will they'll use the catchphrases and they'll use particular things to to hoist people up and then they'll just shit all over them whenever they feel like it. But Steve Bannon, you know, he he looks right at these women and he goes, you know, you're fighters. We like fighters here. We like fighters on this show and they're fighters. And I'm going, what are you fighting? You're fighting, a, you're fighting a state government, and you're going to lose. Because once the election's up in California, what do you think is going to happen? Again, it's not, I'm not being cynical, and it's not defeatist. I'm saying the way you really defeat the enemy is you stand up and you tip over the game board, and then you just stop playing the game. But if you have a position like this woman in Chino, California has, what, what, what she would do well to do and what the other board members would do well to do is not maintain the environment. You teach them to learn on their own. You teach them all the things I said in the first 25 minutes. Get your students to get on Gab. Get on Telegram. Change the generational communication that's taking place here so that the lawmakers are, are, are basically on an island all by themselves. Those individuals will go away even at, at the state level if you do your own thing because you're completely removed from government. 
But here's Steve Turley again, maintaining the status quo. Again, he's a seeming conservative, but give him a listen and you'll hear what I'm talking about. Which, by the way, sorry, one last thing before I play it. He uses the term woke all the time. Woke, woke, woke. It's not woke. It's satanic. That's what this is. If a person keeps using the word woke instead of satanic and Satanism, they aren't there yet. They haven't ascended. They're still using the cuckservative terms that they want people to use. So, again, give him a listen here in 3, 2, 1. The school board clearly represents the majority of parents in Chino Valley, but that's the last thing the woke left wants to allow. The woke left is not in the least interested in school boards representing parents. No, the woke left demands that school boards rule them. And so in response, and in our current era of weaponized legalism, the ultra-woke California Attorney General is suing the Chino Valley Unified School District Board of Education over this policy that they just voted to implement, requiring schools to inform parents that there's a change in their child's gender identification. The leadership of the state of California has been so overrun by lunatics that they now believe a school district should be sued for requiring schools to inform parents of their child's changed gender identity. And the lunatics and legacy media, of course, parrot this absurdity. KTLA is openly calling the school board's resolution, again, to inform parents. They're calling it, quote, controversial. Informing parents is now, according to the woke left, the cultural Marxist woke left, informing parents of their child changing their gender identity is controversial. Cultural Marxist woke left. No. No, that's the dumbed down version of who's responsible and what's going on. It's the Bolshevik Jewish satanic agenda. That's what this is. That's its origins. That's, that's what's happening here. Again, this is an unnecessary fight. It's unnecessary. The school board could do this too. I'll give them this, okay? They could do this. They could do what I suggested, which is you teach the environment that they don't need the environment. Yes, people would lose their jobs. I, I, I fully understand that. I mean, I get it. But they could, they could do that on one end and at the exact same time waste their time and their energy and their money and their tax dollars fighting the state government against their own policies and what the state government wants. Now, as this, of course, is all happening, the state government is going to continue to push forth laws that are going to say that you can't do that and you can't do this and this policy has to exist and whatever else. This is why school boards are the problem. Doesn't matter if they're right or they're left. Doesn't matter their political persuasion. If there is law that is on the books at the state level, the local school board has to follow it. Because local school boards don't make law. They either approve or disapprove hirings and firings. They approve or disapprove policy which is not law. So if there's law on the books, they can't abolish a law as a school board. doesn't matter, again, if they're elected officials or not. At the local level, it, it doesn't work that way. The whole game is unnecessary. 
That's my ultimate point. The whole thing is completely unnecessary. And this is the battlefield that children are on, that parents are subjecting their children to on a constant basis. But again, this, this, again, you know, bless her heart, but the president of that school board has shown up, has even removed the ex-superintendent and even ex-presidents from speaking and has allowed them to speak in the board meetings. But once they get out of hand or they go over their time, you know, then they're removed because they just start these arguments with, with the president of the school board. Again, I know that they're well-intended, but they don't understand the larger picture, which is why they go on Steve Bannon's show and say, look what I'm doing. You can do it too. And they're saying all of that. That's why you haven't seen me get invited on any of these shows. It's, it's the same reason. I go, I, I go above and beyond what they want to comprehend. Because the Steve Bannons, Charlie Kirks, Jack Posobics, and Steve Turleys of the world want everybody to just kind of sit in this malaise of, well, let's keep fighting back instead of just walking away. That's the easiest way to fight back. The easiest, fight, the easiest way to fight back is, is you stop giving them the environment in which they can indoctrinate and destroy the lives of children. Stop giving it to them. Again, they'll have to close their doors if 20% of the school building stops showing up as far as the student population is concerned. If 20% leave permanently, they'll still have to close their doors. You know, sometimes people have to be forced to make what they perceive to be as a tough choice because they're backed into a corner, so they think. What they don't know is, is their back isn't in a corner. They just haven't turned around yet and looked what's behind them and seen that it's green pastures and blue skies. It's the perception of being backed into a corner, but they aren't. And in my opinion, those school board members aren't doing all they could be doing to educate the public about what could actually happen. It's the old school marm mentality of, we've got to keep the environment together, let's keep working, we'll fight off the bad guys, but we'll keep the environment together. The environment is garbage. It's garbage. And it has to be done away with. But this right here, ladies and gentlemen, is why I'm going to lead right into this because this proves my point. This right here is exactly what's going on at the higher education level regarding teacher research and education research and why, if you walk away, even this brick in the building, metaphorically, in the, in the Jenga tower, gets yanked out and the whole thing falls down. This is what I'm going to read to you now, is the latest pamphlet for the upcoming October 18th through 20th Midwestern Educational Research Association Conference. The Midwestern Educational Research Association Conference is always held in Cincinnati, year in and year out. Could be even based in Cincinnati. I think there was one time I even applied to present at this conference, and they were like, nope, don't want, don't want your presentation. And why is that? Because I was blaming the environment for being violent and the policies that existed for being violent and creating the untenable work environments that they are, which leads to violence. The irony is what this actual conference is claiming to be about and what they claim to be accepting. Again, Hegelian dialect. They're trying to swoop in now and tell you 
that the very environment that created the problem and all the dummies that work in it, that they now have the solution. You can't make this up. And this is why you can't fix this. Doesn't matter if you run for school board or you don't. You can't fix this problem. Because again, this is the bottom up now. Okay. If you, if you imagine again, like I said earlier, if you imagine, well, it's, it's not even a bottom up approach. It's a wheel. It's a giant wheel. But on the wheel, at one point in the wheel, you have superintendents of, of, of school districts and you have the presidents of, of private and charter school districts. But on another section of the wheel, you have this higher education, quote unquote, teacher education stuff. Okay. And they all work together because it's in this constant, ever perpetual wheel. So here's the theme of the conference. The theme is literally, quote, supporting teachers through educational research. That's interesting. So here's the whole pamphlet. Again, it's absurd, and this is why this is why you can't beat this level of thought. These people are are arguably some of the dumbest and most brainwashed that exist in society. It says the following here, quote, at the heart of the work of education broadly defined our K-12 teachers. See, this whole first sentence is jacked up. I'm going to start over. I mean, it's it, the first sentence is incomplete. At the heart of the work of education broadly defined our K-12 teachers who come through programs in higher education in order to learn how to help children lead meaningful lives, period. That's the whole first sentence. That makes no sense. It doesn't make any sense. I'm going to read it one more time because I think I'm reading it wrong, but I'm actually not. It says, at the heart of the work of education, broadly defined our K-12 teachers who come through programs in higher education in order to learn how to help children lead meaningful lives. It seems grammatically incorrect. It continues, unfortunately. It says teacher education programs are experiencing declining enrollment and K-12 schools across the United States are reporting an increase in vacant positions with schools experiencing high poverty disproportionately affected. That is an incomplete sentence too, but again, they're blaming the reason for this is because uh, more people don't want to teach poor blacks. That's the old yarn that they always roll out. No one wants to teach the poor inner city blacks. It says, in part, this is due to the conditions made more visible by the pandemic. And then it says, colon, a teacher, a, a teaching force rather, that is and has been historically unpaid and undervalued. So what are they blaming yet again? an invisible pandemic that they as school environments perpetuated, and then the old yarn of a teaching force that is underpaid and undervalued. It's because you're brainwashed dummies. It has nothing to do with the fact that you don't get enough money. That's not it. Teachers can make a killing financially if they want to. Depends on where they teach and what they teach. That's all. It says, at the center of this undervaluing are issues of gender in a predominantly female profession. So what are they saying? There's too many women? Not enough men? 
or there aren't enough women. It says, alongside the pandemic, there has been a reawakening of activism around systematic race-based violence as a result of the murder of George Floyd. My God in heaven. Every sentence in this is a lie. It says, as such, boards of education have also become sites for a political battle over the teaching of critical race theory in schools, interpreted as anything diversity-related, with teachers caught in the crossfire as they attempt to do what is best for their increasingly diverse population of students. No, they're not caught in the crossfire. They're behind the gun, looking through the scope and pulling the trigger. That's what they're doing. They're a part of the problem, always have been. They're, they're at the forefront of the problem. It says, as educational researchers, what is our role in understanding and changing educational systems in support of teachers? Question mark. How can we work? How can our work, rather, be part of the solution of recruiting and sustaining a more diverse pool of teacher candidates? That means, again, no white people. They don't want white conservatives and white conservative males to apply. They need not apply. In shock, those signs don't just exist, but that's what that sentence just said. Says we welcome presenters that include the dissemination of educational research through new forms of engagement in public spaces, such as editorials, speeches, government testimonies, social media commentary, blog posts, podcasts, videos, wikis, etc. Now, the reason that they're accepting presenters from all of those avenues, not just peer-reviewed publishers of peer-reviewed research articles is because they're losing participation in these very conferences themselves. They're losing rapid participation. They can't fill one of these conferences anymore. That's why they keep pushing out these notices that say, uh, you know, we, we need more presenters. Here's, here, we're pushing back the deadline date for presenters for our conference. They're doing it because they're not getting enough people to even show up. It continues here, and they have a bullet-pointed list, which I'm going to read, of all of the kinds of topics that they're interested in. So again, they're telling you the different kinds of, of social media and written avenues and spoken avenues where they want presenters to show up from. But again, I would fit the bill perfectly, except they're not going to want to hear what I have to say, because I'm going to blame all of them. I would blame all of them if I showed up and presented. But again, my, my, any presentation I put forth wouldn't, wouldn't get accepted, which is why I don't bother. The next, the next section here before the bullet point says, to better meet the needs of a diverse body of educational stakeholders, educational researchers must choose activities that position researchers to inform civic participation, activism, engagement, activism, and organized action activism. That's what they want. It says, moreover, we may need to go beyond our characteristic publication possibilities so that we learn, so that what we learn, rather, is disseminated in a way that may be accessed 
by those inside and outside of our traditional paradigms. Of particular interest to the conference theme, we seek proposals that address the most immediate advocacy needed. They say advocacy, and here's what they want to advocate for. So here it comes. The first bullet point. The current experience of teachers in the current state of schools since the pandemic. That's what they claim they want to know about. The next one, educational policy at the national, state, and local level. The next one, public scholarship on the topic of diversity, equity, and critical race theory in schools. The next one, recruitment and retention of students and teachers of color. Not white people. Not white people. The next one, comparative international teacher education. Globalism. The next one, impacts of the teacher shortage, particularly on schools experiencing high poverty. Why is it that people don't want to teach in inner city, and why is it that they don't want to teach inner city minorities, let alone illegal aliens? We can't figure this out. Come to our conference and tell us why. That's how dumb these people are. But they're also constantly blaming white people. White people are the problem. That's why. The next one, there's only two more. Technology for more equitable programming. Interesting use of those words, equitable programming. And then the final one, teacher and administrator professional development. Ah, there we go. What can we do to consistently reprogram and rebrainwash administrators at the school level? What are we doing to make things more equitable? It then wraps up and says the following. How might we more effectively engage and, I'm, I'm sorry, engage in and utilize educational research that addresses the necessity of advocacy? How might we better negotiate our traditional paradigms for the creation and dissemination of research? How might we begin to collaborate with diverse and unique educational stakeholders? How might we be, how might we, more strategically and holistically disseminate findings. Please join us at the 2023 MWERA conference in Cincinnati, Ohio, to explore these issues and more. Unquote. You can't fix that. Because behind every word, sentence, and advocacy thing, is an embedded ideology that is based on lies and brainwashing and indoctrination. You can't fix that. You can't. If I showed up and I gave a speech about how all of them engaged in the largest example of child abuse known to man on a business-wide scale, I would get thrown out. People would stand up and leave the room. They wouldn't want to hear it. I wrote a whole book about it in, in 2021. Published it in February of 2021. They wouldn't, they wouldn't want to hear it. They wouldn't want to hear that they've all been child abusers and that, they all brainwashed, uh, that they're all brainwashed and blindly went along with it. And now they think they're, they have the solution. 
No, they don't have anything. They don't have anything figured out, nothing, because it's still a hive mind mentality. It's still a hive mind environment, always has been. Someone like me showing up to their conference would actually fit all of the parameters of their conference. I've engaged in educational research and published it. I've spoken nationally and internationally on these subjects. I've written books. I have social media commentary. I have editorial writings, dozens and dozens and dozens of them. Uh, Podcasts, no doubt. Videos, yes. If I brought all of that evidence to this conference where they're begging for it, they'd set me on fire. They don't want to hear it because if it's against anything that they believe, you're gone. It's disgusting. And the people that show up to these conferences are going to pat themselves on the back and say, yes, we did something today. Today we did something. Today we made a difference. And I think things are going to change for the better ultimately. They have no idea they're on a sinking ship. They're on a sinking ship in the middle of the ocean, and there isn't a damn thing they can do to shake their way out of it. There is this then too, which proves my point. Ugh, it's exhausting. Sorry, I have to take a deep breath. Yikes. Okay, there's this. Everybody heard of this, I'm sure, this week. Rosemary Hills Elementary School. This is in Maryland, Silver Springs, Maryland. Here's the letter from their school dated September 5th, 2023. Dear parents of students in the Block Block classroom, this letter is to inform you that three or more individuals have tested positive for COVID-19 in class. In the past 10 days, we are taking the following steps to keep our school environment as safe as possible for in-person teaching and learning and to prevent further transmission of COVID-19 in this group. Bullet point one, additional K95 masks have been distributed and students and staff in identified classes or activities will be required to, to mask to mask rather while in school for the next 10 days except while eating or drinking. Masks will become optional again following the 10-day period. Okay, that right there, ladies and gentlemen, okay, that bullet point. You can't fix that level of brainwashing. It's too embedded in them. It also, I might add, I believe that that right there is going to be a play in the playbook going forward for these schools. In order to minimize a mass exodus or a mass public complaint session from parents who are still sending their children to these environments, they'll do this, well, we're just going to wear masks for for one more week. We're just going to do it for the next two weeks. Then don't worry, masks will become optional again and you don't have to wear them if you don't want to. Not knowing, of course, that that's actually what the word mandate means. It means optional. It means voluntary participation. But these people don't care about words and definitions because they're in the education business, and we can't have that. You can't have people in the education business actually care about vocabulary words and their, and their meanings, can you? I'm laying it on thick. You get what I'm saying. It's just nuts. Here's the next bullet point. But keep in mind, again, 
that first bullet point is going to be a play going forward for numerous schools across the nation. Here's the next one. It says, at home, rapid test kits will be sent home and made available for students. The CDC recommends testing at least five days after an exposure, starting day six, or any time if symptoms develop. Please report any positive COVID results to your school attendance office. This is their policy. Their policy is based on a lie, on something that isn't even real. And endless students and staff members, of course, are taking these false positives because it doesn't test for anything because the tests are predetermined and we've been over this. But the point is, is that they're taking these tests, taking a picture of them and consistently sending it to their administrators so they get time off so that the students can have time off also. They're using the fraudulent nature of the system against itself. It's incredible. The third one, we will continue to reinforce good handwashing and follow cleaning and disinfection. Yeah, disinfection procedures. Okay, you're all jabbed. You're shedding on each other. Now you're depriving yourselves of oxygen, which is going to do what for the cells in your body? Make them better? No. These are not thinking people. There isn't a conference in the United States that can possibly fix this. It says, thank you for supporting us in taking these steps to ensure staff and students remain healthy for in-person learning. If at any time during the next 10 days your child develops COVID-19-like symptoms such as a fever, cough, loss of taste or smell, or other COVID-19 indicators, they should stay home from school and be treated for COVID-19. I thought there weren't treatments for COVID-19. I thought the vaccine was the treatment. What happened to all that? Consider contacting a healthcare provider if symptoms are severe or not improving, if your child is at higher risk of complications due to COVID-19 infection. Students who test positive for COVID-19 should follow CDC isolation and precaution guidelines for people with COVID-19 infection. Please visit blah 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 montgomeryschools.whatevermd.org and all this other nonsense. For additional information, it says COVID-19 resources including free COVID-19 testing and vaccination sites. Please contact me if you have additional questions. Sincerely, Rebecca Irwin Kennedy, Principal. She's certifiable because it's a mental institution, and she's in charge. There you go. They're not the only ones doing that. They aren't the only ones that have done it, and they're not the only ones that are going to do it again in the future. This is going to continue to take place. Which, of course, leads me to this. More jab-related things. First of all, I'm sure you heard of the the kid who ate the Packy One Challenge Chip or One Chip Challenge Spicy Potato Chip and apparently died. And he did it because it's a TikTok challenge of eating this spicy chip, and that's why he died. No, that's not why he died. I've eaten this chip, by the way. It's not that hot. I mean, yes, it's hot, but you're not going to die because, well, I'm still alive, and I ate it, so what's the big deal? This kid's dead because he's jabbed, period. And TMZ is reporting this, and the media, again, is reporting all of this on one thing, when in fact it is the most obvious thing. That's why these people make me sick. 
But don't worry, Whoopi Goldberg has COVID, which is why she wasn't on The View. And Joe Biden is uh, no longer having symptoms and never had symptoms, but he tested positive, you know, for a thing that doesn't exist, that doesn't have any symptoms. But you have to wear a mask. And his wife tested positive too, but doesn't have any symptoms and is feeling great and blah, blah, blah. Who believes any of this anymore? Unfortunately, it's endless people. Endless people still believe what's going on. This also leads me to this, and this next topic is something that I'm going to repeat here with regularity over the coming, I would say, next month, certainly the next four weeks here. As we all know, on October 4th, mark your calendars, that's the day that the emergency broadcast system shoots out to everybody's cell phone, TV, radio, you name it. I brought this up a long time ago, back in the spring. Todd Callender's even talked about this with regularity, and a listener of the show sent me that audio one more time of Todd Callender specifically describing this. I'm not going to play the audio, but I will just briefly summarize it for the sake of brevity. He basically says, with all of the 5G towers that have gone up, you need a mass event where, where, where those 5G towers get activated and the people who are jabbed end up becoming ill as a result of those 5G towers becoming activated. Now ask yourself, what would activate those 5G towers on a wide scale among everyone's wireless device? Utilizing, of course, wireless internet and cell phone towers and a thousand other things. When everybody has a device or most people have the device on their person. But the EBS system. If the EBS system goes out as it's scheduled to do, they could kick up that 5G and, and those 5G towers. And all of the individuals who are jabbed, who have the lipid nanoparticle technology in them, could start to become very, very ill. So here's the marker. The marker is how many people within your sphere of influence, whether it be your workplace, yourself, the people around you, how many are jabbed? And then when October 4th comes around and that EBS system goes out on everybody's devices, that day and the next four to five days after that, Pay attention to how many people are sick. How many people call in to work because they are actually sick. This is going to be a big marker. This is going to be an interesting marker. Because even Todd Callender says, and even one of the Russian generals over in Russia said, of course, the United States deploys weapons created by the Department of Defense. Well, what weapon has the United States deployed in the United States that is created by the Department of Defense and all of their NGO organizations like Lockheed Martin? 5G towers. Not just the big bastards you see in a cornfield, but the small ones that are 18, 20 feet tall, like the ones in the town where I live, where about half a dozen of them went up in the dead of night. On a college campus, I might add. This is going to be some event. This is going to be interesting. I'm going to, I'm going to reference this thing at least once a week here, coming up to October 4th. I think this could be a serious trigger event. I don't know. 
I'm just saying it could be. And it's something to pay attention to. And for me personally, again, from a quantitative and qualitative reasoning analysis standpoint, the thing to pay attention to is how many people are of, I don't know, healthy, healthy body and healthy mind before the EBS system goes out. And then how many of them become unhealthy immediately after? That's going to be an interesting thing to note. And then, of course, are they going to use that to justify their action with something else? Are school districts then going to start to panic because they're going to have more ill staff members? Who's, who's to know? The point is, is I just think it's an interesting bullet point and a buoy in the water that, that people need to pay attention to. That's all. So take that for what you want, but I think, I think something's coming here. That leads me to this, naturalnews.com. It says right on cue, CNBC starts pushing nationwide masking for COVID despite the fact that masks don't work. Again, they're, they're bringing it up with regularity on their, on their station, certainly within their shows. And, and hospital policy is apparently about to kick this into full gear, which brings me to Kim Carter. Here's a series of text messages that I received from Kim Carter yesterday after I sent her that Todd Callender audio from a while back. And again, I believe it was back in the springtime where he was basically saying that they're going to use this to justify the existence of either another variant, which is fake, or they're going to use it to justify the existence of some other virus like Marburg virus or something else. But Again, all of that's going to be fake. The point is, is that if they crank up the 5G through the EBS system, whether they're connected or they're not, it's going to be the jabbed that ultimately become ill, which then begs the question, well, what are hospitals going to do? How are hospitals going to react? Here's what Kim Carter told me. And I'm reading these text, text messages verbatim here. And again, she is in a hospital in Cincinnati. She said the following, quote, my employer just gave me a warning and told me they would more than likely be going back to the COVID policy mask mandates. I told them I would not be complying with that, and they can't enforce that. It is a medical device, and only my physician can tell me to wear a medical device. That regardless of any illness, we already know they don't protect the wearer. It only makes someone else feel better. I, of course, said oxygen deprivation at the cellular level is the number one cause of cancer. And then she said, I told them that, and they also can't fire me either for making my own informed decision regarding a medical device. She's 100% right. Which leads me to this just as a quick reminder because I threw this her way also. As I've said before on my website, AmericanEducationFM.com, if you get on the medical Devi under the medical devices tab, scroll down and you'll see it'll, I'm sorry, not medical devices, medical documents. It'll say medical documents. If you click on that toward the top, it will have an updated list of all of the peer-reviewed COVID bio jab articles along with a giant list of peer-reviewed uh, mask-related articles. Feel free and download that, that PDF and send it to an employer, HR, whoever it is that you want. It's undeniable proof that this entire thing is killing people, that the entire thing is a lie, that the masks and the shots are the real problem. So 
Again, feel free and do that. Also, I believe it's under the government documents tab, although it could be medical documents. Give me a second. Let me check that out real quick. I want to make sure and get this right because there's legal references that I have here also. Again, which includes exemptions. Okay, here we go. It's under the medical documents tab also. The very first section under the medical documents tab on my website, it says legal resources to fight back against civil liberty violations, vax and mask mandates, and exemption denials. If you click on that PDF, it's a few pages long. It has web addresses to to law firms, people who have fought in the past against all of this stuff. You can contact those individuals, download those forms, fill those out, the whole thing. Again, it's the twi- it's deja vu in the twilight zone, but we're, we're, we're back to all of this here again. Uh, and it certainly seems to be coming back anyway. Um, I'm going to continue with Kim Carter's text messages, but again, below that, also on the same medical documents tab is the COVID jab and mask articles. And again, you can download that also and share that with whomever you would like. Okay. She continued once I sent her that, and she said, quote, I told them I know the law, and I also know the Supreme Court rulings that have happened as a result over, the, over each that occurred over the last couple of years. The CEO immediately changed his tune and said that I can take it up the corporate chain then. She said, I'm not allowed to offer info unsolicited, quote unquote. She said, I'm sorry, but it's my job to protect the staff and the patients. She said, I told him that a mandate is not a law, and even if they made it a law, I have a personal right as a human being and cannot be forced into something against my will. She said one of them apparently, or I actually suggested to her first that she continue to communicate this with her coworkers, and she said that one of them apparently is someone who turned her in for providing them with this factual information. I mean, wrap your head around that. You've got a you've probably got a jabbed mask wearing coworker. You provide them factual information about how all of this is a giant hoax designed to kill people. And then they turn you in for saying such a thing. It's absolutely nuts. Uh there were two particular articles I sent her way. One is from the US Department of Labor which unfortunately states that COVID-19 hospital admission levels and masking requirements are still in place and that it's up to individual hospitals to make these calls themselves. Because the Supreme Court didn't want to take up the case regarding healthcare workers, which is why Biden's so-called rule regarding mask mandates is still in place. So again, it's ultimately, unfortunately, up to individual hospitals. But hey, look, if these hospitals want to play this game, you got to walk away again. You have to walk away. Make them change their policies by not participating. A lot of people have been talking about how Scott Adams said the same thing regarding the airline industry, that if the airlines start forcing these masks again, that everybody should stop flying and the people should stop working for those airlines and immediately stop going to work. That, of course, mass non-participation and mass non-compliance is the only way forward here. Well, let the hospitals try it again. Let them try it again. Just don't give them what they want. The one thing that they don't want is your lack of participation. So that's the thing that you need to give them. You need to, you need to give them your complete and utter lack of participation. So there's that. There's also this, of course. 
Uh, AJ Gochik sent me this, our favorite lawyer in California. And uh, what he brings up here is something that has been discussed before at great length regarding what is actually inside of these shots. And again, I've heard a lot of different people and a lot of different takes on what's actually in it. I heard uh, Sasha Latipova not that long ago discussed that there's four different kinds of mRNA in it, that some of them have a weak form, some of them have a stronger form, and, and whatever else. Um, but then there are others that say that, that there's no mRNA in it. My overall point, as you've heard me say, is it almost doesn't matter what's in it. It's poison, and it's killing the people who take it. That's the point. It could be filled with jelly beans and Skittles. It doesn't matter. It's killing people. Uh, but, but he did say this, and I, and I do want to read this at length. He said, Sean, this was forwarded to me by a friend who works for Children's Health Defense. Whether it's legit or not, and my friend trusts the guy associated with the scientists not, uh, I'm sorry, does not change anything in my opinion, as many of the ingredients are toxic. It says the message is part of a release before publication, and it says the following. Uh, look what this consortium of 21 scientists found is in the COVID injections. COVID-19 injections, our group of 21 scientists all over the world tested the following COVID-19 injections. They tested Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, Novavax, AstraZeneca, Sinopharm, Sinovac, COVID Shield, uh, Sabrina 2, Pasto-Covac, CanSino, uh, Sivavax, and Sputnik 5. Of course, most of those are based out of the United States, and then the other half are in China. One is in Iran, which is the Pasto-Covac, and then Sputnik 5 is Russian, apparently. It says, the results of testing all the above injections for their content through biological forensics done through toxicology studies and Raman spectromicroscopy were that all the injections were identical with minor differences in chemical contents. The Pfizer and Moderna had no mRNA or spike protein in them or any biological particulate. The other injections, which are considered viral vectors, had no biological matter in them either. All the injection brands had the following in various degrees of doses and in various proportions. There were 42, as of January of 2023, different doses and proportional variations in the injections. We found the following ingredients in all the injections. Number one, lipid nanoparticles. Number two, hydrogel. Number three, high doses of heavy metals such as silica, tungsten, chromium, aluminum, etc. Number four, reduced graphene oxide. Number five, deionized water. Number six, sodium chloride, salt. Number seven, sucrose, sugar. Number eight, and other toxic adjuvants like aluminum hydroxide. Number nine, Pfizer contains the toxic synthetic lipid, lipid nanoparticle called PEG or po polyethylene glycol. And number 10, Moderna contains the synthetic toxic lipid nanoparticle called SM102. It then wraps up and says, and the kicker is, does anybody see mRNA on that list? No, you don't. 
because they also found there is no mRNA in any, I repeat, any of the COVID shots, according to the research, to their research. I would like their research to be corroborated, but this makes total sense. The PSYOP just never ends, unquote. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt about it. Again, it almost doesn't matter what's in it. And it makes you wonder, again, the agenda of those quote-unquote 21 scientists and what they were doing and what they were looking at. Because again, you've got a boatload of other scientists that are saying, look, this other mRNA that we're looking at is mRNA. It's different mRNA. It's changed. And then other people, of course, are saying there's no such thing as mRNA. There's just the lipid nanoparticles. And then some people are saying there's no spike protein at all. That's the lipid nanoparticle stuff. I don't care what name they really throw with it. It's all poison and it's killing the people who take it. That's the kicker. That's the important part. But these school districts, these hospitals, all these institutions, they still haven't figured it out yet. They still haven't figured out that this entire thing is a lie. That the masks don't work, the shots are killing people. Strange how everybody keeps getting COVID, quote unquote, and they're fully jabbed to the bone. It's beyond crazy. Uh, Dr. William Mackis, as well, he was on SGT Report not that long ago. Um, he's, he's covering this with regularity, too, on his Substack channel. But this is titled Turbo Cancer. Teachers are being decimated by aggressive and metastatic cancers after COVID-19 mRNA vaccine mandates. 34 recent tragic cases in the United States. And he highlights one here for free, and then, of course, I'd have to pay to see the rest, but you, you get the general idea. These individuals, too, within this profession and these hive mind professions have no idea why they're becoming ill. Why all of the sudden, these teenagers and these people in their 20s, 30s, and 40s who are seemingly healthy, dropping dead of heart attacks, turbo cancers, and a thousand other things. They still don't know what's going on, but who knows? At least they still have the energy to you know, take a big group picture together in a hospital bed and say, don't worry, we're going to make it through this. The level of brainwashing is next level here. It's just next level. Here's another one from his Substack mRNA injury series, uh, myositis, more evidence of immune system damage from COVID-19 mRNA vaccines, 16 cases explored, Pfizer mRNA was found in several inflamed muscles one month after injection. And it's a picture here of a woman with a swollen with swollen eyes. That her eyelids and eyebrows are swollen, her face is swollen, and apparently has trouble breathing, as you would, because there's a picture of her quite literally wearing an oxygen mask in a wheelchair while also wearing a mask on her face. Because that makes sense. And then more pictures here again. It looks like lesions and uh, openings on the skin almost looks like staph infection to some to some point. Remarkably graphic, but uh, this is the norm. This is the norm now. This is what's happening. I'm going to end with this. I put this out on Gab. This was a particular post from the United Nations. There's an upcoming Sustainable Development Goals Summit that is going to be taking place in New York the 18th through the 19th of September of this year. Just a couple of weeks here. And uh, it says the following here, the 2023 SDG Summit. 
2023 SDG Summit will take place 18th and 19th of September of 2023 in New York. It will mark the beginning of a new phase of accelerated progress toward the Sustainable Development Goals with high-level political guidance on transformative and accelerated actions leading up to 2030. It says, convened by the President of the General Assembly, the summit will mark the halfway point to the deadline set for achieving the 2030 Agenda and the Sustainable Development Goals. It will be the centerpiece of a high-level week of the General Assembly. It will respond to the impact of multiple and interlocking crisis face, crises rather, facing the world and is expected to reignite a sense of hope, optimism, and enthusiasm for the 2030 Agenda, unquote. Yes, I'm sure that's what it's going to do. It's certainly going to uh, circle the wagons for the whack jobs and perhaps get them motivated to kill more people, but either way, more of the enemy's meetings are lying ahead here, and they continue to push forward no matter what, so we have to continue to push back. And there's a lot of that, I might add, happening all over the country, and not just our country, but countless other places. I saw in British Columbia, they are restricting the water that the farmers can have, given even all of the fires that have taken place there, and they're screaming and yelling at their politicians in city council meetings and board meetings and things of that nature. The same thing is happening out in Maui, of course. Numerous individuals are out there screaming and shouting at these council members. Ladies and gentlemen, when is enough going to be enough? How many more meetings and uh, back and forth can we have on agenda items before something gets kicked up here to the next level? Again, I'm not trying to sound like Stu Peters on this, but he's got a point. There's only so much talking that we can do before endless people continue to be trafficked and endless land continues to be destroyed. Something's got to budge here and something's got to change. Because these meetings aren't working, and they're not doing anything, and they're certainly not getting many people's attention. It's creating clicks, it's creating likes, it's creating conversation, which is fine and dandy, but something else has to happen here. Because if we just keep doing that, I'm not sure anything is really going to change. So anyway, with that said, ladies and gentlemen, have a great weekend. A lot of content there, I know. Again, check out the website for more information and for those legal documents. And all of those uh, peer-reviewed, updated articles, and I will catch you on Monday. Peace. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.